The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Pure. The Pure app lets awesome people have casual sex tonight. Download Pure on Google Play or the App Store. Pure, the hookup app that says it's a hookup app. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Talking to you right now from Texas, so I want to give a little shout out to all the steers and queers and gay guys who buy me beers. <laughs> oh, this is Billy Presida, and I am silly. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, everyone? How you doing? Uh, welcome to the show. If you are new and you know, welcome back. If you are not, this is a podcast where I talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, sexuality, gender, love, and why we didn't work out. This week on the podcast, we have got Kat back on the show. You may remember Kat, oh, from oh so long ago, on episode 19. That's like almost 150 episodes ago. Craziness. Well, uh, I I caught up with her back when I was in Philadelphia, and I can't wait to share her with y'all in a bit. But first... Show dates, people. Show dates. Yes. Okay. Tonight, if you're listening to this when uh, the episode comes out on June 21st, I will be at the Creek in the Cave in Long Island City, Queens. I'm on the 8 p.m. show. Then tomorrow, June 22nd, New York Comedy Club. I'm on the 8.30 show. And then at 10.30, we'll be doing a roast battle against my dear, dear friend, uh, Miguel Dalmau. Then June 23rd, Slotesburg, New York. Shout out to Rockland County. I'm going to be over at Characters Bar and Grill. Uh, exciting news about ManwhoreCon. I'm excited to see that some of y'all have already bought tickets and are planning to come hang out with me Columbus Day weekend in New York City. Already we've announced that there's going to be a live Manwhore podcast taping. Exciting, right? The next event I'd like to announce is there will be a group trip to the Museum of Sex. I know the, uh, the city near you may not have a museum of sex or some sort of sexy naughtiness type of museum. Maybe you got like one fun lingerie exhibit. Get out of my face. We're going to the crossroads of academia and sluttiness. Going to be fun. I love the Museum of Sex. It's always a fun time when I go. They've got some really great exhibits. So included in the cost of your man Horcon ticket will be your admission to the Museum of Sex. That also includes your admission to the Live Man Whore podcast screening, uh, as well as access to all the other events of the weekend. So go get your tickets today. You can get super early bird tickets for $47.50 before August 1st. Then prices will go up. You can go to manwhorepod.com slash tickets. I want to take a moment to read a message from a, uh, from a listener who we're going to call her AA. How's that? Uh, hey there, Billy. Just wanted to thank you again for pointing me toward Countdown last month. Uh, Side note, Countdown is a sex party here in New York City. Kind of open source. If you you can just, if you go to the website, you go to the Facebook event group or the FetLife event, you're welcome to go if you are going with another person. Uh, And and this person reached out to me asking for sex party recommendations. I thought Countdown was a nice little starter party. She goes, uh, she continues, my boyfriend and I had a great time. I was much braver than I thought I would be in that setting. 
thus enabling one of the hottest moments of my entire sex life to occur, which then led to, very improbably, to a new relationship with one of its other participants. So I owe you a lot. If this fling is still going on in the fall, we'll come thank you in person at ManhorCon. Thank you again. You didn't steer us wrong. Well, AA, I'm glad y'all had a great time at Countdown. Uh, if you're interested in Countdown, these are co- this party comes from the same people who put on lip service. Uh, it's the House of Gemini and Scorpio. You can Google that in New York City. You can find them online, attend their parties. They're nice little starter parties. They're typically not too intense or too intimidating. Great for a first-time sex party if you're trying to get comfortable and used to various levels of group nudity. So I've been in Austin, Texas this last week. I had a good time. Was in San Francisco for a week. Now I've been in Texas. You know, flew into Houston. Hung out with a friend of mine from high school. Uh, Came on out to Austin. Recorded a bunch of episodes. Saw the sights. Drove out to fucking Odessa. Which is like a five and a half hour drive. Just so I could get a very special episode for you fine people. The length I am willing to go for you. <laughs> but Austin's been good to me. Holy shit. I log on. The first thing I do when I travel, right, is I log on to various uh, dating apps. I go. I log on to my Pure app. That's one of the first things I do. Uh, or the fir- like the first night in any new city, one of the first things I do is I start trying to see if anyone in the area is on Pure who sponsored this podcast, but they sponsor this podcast because I dig the app. But I, I had a couple meetups that were fun. I, you know, I had a Bumble date with this gal. We meet up for like, uh, uh, she's like, can you do brunch? I had a lot of my nights were taken up. She's like, can you do a brunch? I was like, all right, we could do that. Not the ideal Bumble date time. It's not the most sexual time. But hey, if, if the chemistry's right, if things pop off well, you know, we could be doing some afternoon delight by three o'clock. I, she comes, picks me up around 1130 a.m., I think it's the earliest I've ever gone on a, on a first date of sorts. And I had a really nice time. Like, she took me to this cool little brunch spot. Then she took me on this, like, tour around Austin. Like, we, we were hanging out for about four hours. Had a great time. Lovely conversation. Exchanged stories. She, she told me more about the city of Austin. Took me to this, like, this, like, cool little hiking point so I could overlook the Colorado River. Showed me their state capital, which is like really cool. And it's made of like this weird, like pink granite or something. Saw Matthew McConaughey's house. All right, all right, all right, you know. Uh, but, but here's the thing. Although I was having a great time, really wasn't into it sexually. I wasn't feeling a chemistry or a spark that says, I want to take my penis out with this person. And it goes to show that just because you have a date and just because you're not into the date doesn't mean it's a waste of your time. And it doesn't mean you have to panic of like, how am I going to exit this encounter? Did you maybe block out a chunk of time for this date? Do you have nothing else? you're? I got to stop tripping over shit. Do you have nothing else you're supposed to be doing? Stick around. If the person's interesting, have a nice time. She dropped me off at the end of the date, uh, and I it's, I want to I want to I always like to stress that just because you're not, you don't think you're gonna bang this person doesn't mean it's a waste of your time. At minimum, if you like, if you already blocked out the time to spend with them because you thought you were gonna like have lunch and then have sex, 
and you realize you don't want to have sex with them, it doesn't mean you can't still spend that time in an enjoyable fashion. Granted, if there's like no chemistry and there's just like a lame person and you're not interested in talking to them, of course, bail after an hour and five minutes. But, you know, I had a really nice time and it was a memorable part of my trip to Austin. But if I was like freaking out that, oh my God, I don't, I'm not attracted to her. How do I exit? I would have never gone and seen the city. So something for y'all to keep in mind, you know, and don't worry, there were sluttier and caroliners. Like uh, I had a Tinder match. I think it was, I think it was either that night or the next night. I had a Tinder match who uh, she negotiated uh, a pint of cookies and cream ice cream in exchange for a blowjob. So I basically like Postmates delivered <laughs> this, this pint of ice cream <laughs> I give it to her. She takes a few spoonfuls as we chit chat a little bit about slutty encounters. And then I just, and the entire time she's eating the ice cream. Cause I told her, Hey, I want to, she's like, I want ice cream. I said, I want to come over and whip my dick out. And so we both did those things. So I basically like jerked off a little bit while watching her eat ice cream. <laughs> and then when she felt like she had a good amount of it, she then, you know, took me in her mouth for a nice cold mouth blowjob, which, you know, cold blowjob sounds terrifying, sounds bad. Not, not as bad as you think. It kind of like melts into a warm blowjob. It's like getting two different blowjobs in one. It's like getting a pint of ice cream that has like half chocolate, half vanilla, right? <laughs> and eventually it melds from one into the other. Although she almost canceled the encounter because she started feeling like, I was make I you know look you make one ice cream prostitution joke and some people get very sensitive. <laughs> She's like you're making me feel like a hooker and I'm just like well you did say that you will give me a blowjob if I deliver your pint of ice cream so I mean that I think that technically would constitute as sex work under the law so I mean I'm not wrong here. <laughs> but now let's go ahead and get to my guest this week, Cat. Cat, I had on back on episode 19. We hooked up uh, my junior year of college one night, and it was actually a revelation of like why we were even connected in the first place, which <laughs> makes me giggle and such. But we covered some great topics, you know, some social justice stuff, a good dose of feminism. We also talk about mental health towards the latter half of, of the episode, and you know, how you can be a good partner dealing with someone's depression and anxiety. Let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Kat. If, uh, maybe I will wear that. No, they're kind of cool. I think I will wear that. You want to wear the headphones? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm like, that was kind of cool. I dig it. I dig it. Makes it, it feel like this is a real podcast thing. Yeah, I, got I can't believe people are still listening to this. Um, Me either. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it strange um, that people care where my dick has been? It's kind of, I don't know if they care about that. Well, maybe they do. I wouldn't give yourself that much credit. <laughs> but it is kind of insane that like I, I'll i hit someone up because I was talking about this with the last guest, Jen. Yeah, we're on. Okay. Cool. Um, that I was like with her, like we were a little more involved and. It was all, like an ongoing thing. And, but with some people where it's just like one night in college, like, me. like you, <laughs> how insane it is for me to call like, hey, you know, like five, six years ago, remember how that one time we hooked up? You know, you want to talk about it? It's like, how long could that really last? And the answer is apparently three years. Yeah, it's been a while. So. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back again. Yeah. How are you doing, Kat? 
I'm doing good. Do you still go by Kat or is I it do. Kate now? It, it was actually, so I grew up being Kate. Yeah. Um, and then. I think most people grew up being Kate. Kat's something you kind of decide. Yeah, you kind of decide <laughs> at some point, I guess. Because um, I just got tired of being in like the one of every Kate in the room. Uh, which actually is funny because there's three Catherines in my program. And so we've like strategically decided to be Catherine, Kat, and Kate. Um, I decided to be Kat before that. Sure. But it's yeah. It's just you like, showed up the class like, look, bitches, I've got cat. I'm cat. You can decide between Catherine and Katie. You can't have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I, I've been cat since 21, 22, made that switch. And now it's pretty full on. Do you still go by Candy Lion? Uh, I mean, oh, no, I don't know if oh, I no. ever fully went by that. Like I had a moment, certainly when I first went to Burning Man, where I was like, you know, like that was kind of my burner name but still it's weird to me when people like actually actively call me that it feels more of like a passive name than an active name i guess i had a phase i would say you seem pretty into it when we when you last did the podcast you're like i'm candy lion and that's my burner name here's how we got it well i think that was (laughs) thinking back to i have not listened to that podcast i kind of just wanted to go i mean i listened to it way back when was that like three years ago or something you were episode 19 so whenever that was okay it was a while it feels like a while um but I did not go back and re, re-listen to her because I kind of just wanted to come into this fresh and talk about whatever I talk about. Um, but I am imagining that there was some, I remember there being some conflict for me around like fully outing myself um, as being a sex worker and doing the work. And um, so I think that was something that there was like a, a struggle for me around of like, what name do I go by? And how do I talk about myself? Because these opinions are my opinions, you know, and I, they're mine, they're cats, but also like the other stuff that I'm going to talk about can be taken in, in some way. So, well, the one thing you required, we talked about last time was like, look, we can do whatever you want, but I want to talk about period blood. Okay. That's my one, it's my one requirement. We got to talk about it. I'm like, okay, sure. We'll we'll slip it in there somewhere. Hey everybody real quick. Let's just have a little listen to this period talk from like almost three years ago. And I kind of vision this and hope for this to be something similar to Post Secret for Bleeding Pussies, um, where, you know, people can send in photos anonymously. I have had one submission so far other than my own, and she actually did this beautiful painting with her blood and sent it in, and I was super pumped about it. And I have a couple other friends who have told me that they're, like, in the works of... (laughs) making something and they're going to submit something. I'm going to submit. I just, I got to wait like another yeah, 14 wait, days. Like 14 it's, days. <laughs> sorry. I'll be in. It's sadly not one of the things you can submit just willy nilly. I have no, I mean, that's good to remember. I would not, that's not like in my, you were passionate about it. I, I guess I still am. Um, I think I was really, really gung ho and passionate about a lot of things then. Uh, and I, I mean, I still am in some ways, but some of them have kind of, like, I still care a lot about period blood, but it's not, like, my main shit. You're not anymore. marching for you know, it anymore. I'm definitely not. <laughs> um, I still have that website. It's not as um, not as well, what's the word, monitored, maintained, maintained as it once was. I've also kind of just You haven't changed the tampon of your website? No. Recently? Not recently. No. Uh, I still get, I, I do still get, like, submissions every once in a while where people will send me pictures and... Um, and it's still something I care about and I want people to be more comfortable talking about it. It almost felt like I've just seen it kind of hit the mainstream where there's like Buzzfeed articles, there's this, there's that. So it's, it wasn't cool anymore in a sense. I mean, not that it wasn't cool. It's more like it's 
I feel like that torch has been taken and there was definitely a little bit of butthurt feelings where I was like, dang, all these people are getting famous on Instagram about their period stories and here I am just doing it for years. And like, I definitely will be honest that I had a moment about that. But <laughs> then I just kind of let it go and was like, you know, this thing still exists and people are doing it and I'm focusing on slightly different things that are maybe, yeah, just not bigger, but have a wider scope. Um, you grew up a bit with what you're passionate about. Yeah. And I'm still talking to people I made out with a long time ago. That's yeah. one day I'll grow up. One day. It, <laughs> what's weird about that, the whole format even is that, and I only bring this up because I remember when I re-listened, like never came up at all, is that for someone like you, like when I hit you up years and years, do you even remember like what happens in that one night? Or you're like, yeah, I guess that happened. What about it? I mean, I definitely like had a memory of it. I think we watched Pulp Fiction. Oh, I'm God. pretty sure we watched Pulp Fiction, but like didn't watch Pulp Fiction. Back, like, back in college in, where like I insisted upon pretending we're going to watch a movie. Yes. Ugh. I think that's what happened. Um, I think so. I think that happened. That was definitely in my like super, super drunk college days. It's going to be super. It was a very different that. look too. less, uh, less suit jacket. Less colored hair. I have no idea what I looked like back then. I'm sure it was messy. I mean, that was like that whole period of my life was just kind of like a blur, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like lots of hookups, lots of drugs, lots of alcohol. Um, yeah. Just like kind of wild freshman year of college. Of I live in New York City now. I can do whatever I want. Definitely coming off the tail end of like deep ass depression and like you know, just not feeling super great about my high school life. So I mm -hmm. think a lot of that kind of played out that year. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's like a blurriness about everything that happened that year. <laughs> I have like an idea, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that dude. I think he sold me fake IDs, you know? I, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> I was trying to, because I remember the night, like I remember you wanting to go on the fire escape, scare me because I'm scared of heights blowjob things like this by now i was like what was the like how did we meet i was like fuck did i sell her a fake id it was definitely shit that. i did you sold me a couple of fake yeah IDs for you and your friends for me and my friends yeah that's how we met yeah okay yeah that's what happened that, and then there was like a a pulp fiction game i think i wanted to have sex because in that day like at that point in my life i did not understand that you could like have physical intimacy that was not penetration right you know so like me being uh, i think of myself as a child now I, I mean only only 26 but looking at 20 i'm like oh my god right maybe i was 19 even like i was i think yeah you were probably like 19 baby, you know um and i think that period of my sexuality kind of was very colored by me thinking i was really free and sleeping around and you know like this 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 and but looking back a couple years later realizing or waking up at some point in it and realizing that I had not necessarily been as like clear and in control as I wanted to be. So there was like these things that I kind of like, how, what's, I don't even know how to say it. Like I thought I was supposed to want to have sex with you. Right. You know, like I don't know if that was actually like what I wanted in that moment, but like there was still this, and I, I know this is hard for you to hear, oh, but oh, my fragile ego yeah. will probably take it. Well, it's a, it's a scary <laughs> thing, right? When like, what's a scary thing? I think it's scary for a man to hear that a woman is retroactively looking back at a time that they were sexual and being like, you know, I don't know if I was really like. I've been doing this podcast three years. I've heard a yeah. lot of negative things about myself. 
Fair. That's fair. Um, I, d- I did the... I th- you got the email. I know you weren't able to participate, which was fine. But like, I did that compilation episode that okay. I was emailing about, and fucking, the last question was like, in one or two words, how would you summarize how you felt about me when we were hooking up or dating? And man, I heard some truths. Wow. So. Yeah. The <laughs> the ego is calloused over. I guess you've developed some thick skin. Yeah. So I, I guess I I don't know. It's I can imagine it being a scary thing though to have someone sitting in front of you and be like, yeah, I was like kind of a baby when we hooked up and kind of weird time in my life and and it was um well no one wants to be like someone's mistake you know yeah so uh <laughs> I, I i wouldn't say that you were the mistake oh. i would say that there was a lot of mistakes well, that appears so you were you were among many yeah you're doing your you're doing your gw look a lot of mistakes were made uh we shouldn't have been there yeah there were no weapons kind of um yeah it's just it was a uh, it was not yet at a period of time where I knew that as a woman I could dictate a sexual experience. So you th- did you think in that time period, like, I'm free, I'm a woman, I'm owning myself by sleeping around, not realizing that the actions within that sleeping around were still up to you? Yeah. So and, and I want to be really clear in saying that, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with sleeping around. No, it was just the way that I was doing it was not as conscious because you get yeah. it's a weird buzzword. But like I hadn't I wasn't like clearly thinking about things and making intelligent, intelligent decisions. You know, I wasn't like necessarily being safe all the time or mm-hmm. like risks or able like to have the self-esteem to have the hard conversations and talk about safety. Like there were things that I was kind of. And not necessarily with you, but just characterizing this time period yeah. of like going along with because I thought that's, oh, well, we're naked and now it's time to have sex, right? Like, that's what you do. What else would you possibly do with another naked person? You put it in. Yeah. That's what you do. But yeah. once you realize all these other like actions you can do or even like, I don't even like the first time I think I like masturbated with someone in the same room who like we could have fucked, but instead we were just touching ourselves together. Yeah. I feel like it's like a mind-blowing moment to realize like all the fucking possibilities two or more people can do like in a bed or taxi that cab. don't ever have to make it to penetration. Yeah, it never has to get there. You know? And, and you can still have a great time. And arguably sometimes a better time. Um, and so that that's definitely something that has been kind of further and further ingrained um, the older that I get, that there's like like just being actually in touch with what my desires are. Um, sorry, babe. Um, what my desires are in any given moment, you know, and like what, and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. You know, it's, sure. it's a never ending process, but that, that is, you just said you're 26. There's a lot of like 50 year olds right now. listening, like, Oh, why don't you wait a little while? Yeah, I'm sure when we're 35, 40, we're going to look back at our twenties being like, what the fuck were we doing? Like what were yeah. we doing? And I feel that way already kind of every day I look, I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I think that that is like, it's not the sleeping around. That's the problem. It's the, doing anything in a way that you're not actually fully conceptualizing, you know, mm. or not actually fully choosing. And yeah. I, I don't think at that time I was fully like choosing the things that they, I was just kind of like letting things happen to me. And I thought that that was that sex. Oh, this great rebellion. You know, but <laughs> fuck you, mom. I'm so free. <laughs> yeah. But really I was just like prisoner to whatever. So, well, when did you finally come to your like sexual awakening? Or, I mean, or sorry, not to make it so grandiose, but like, yeah. when did you realize, oh, there's more to do, there's more fun to be had? I mean, I always knew there was more fun to be had. It's like, I, but it always felt like it had to lead to penetration. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that it's like, but I never did when anything did you come else. O- yeah, but like, when did you come over that? Um, 
I mean, honestly, I think when I started doing the Tantra stuff, which I talked about last time, mm-hmm. um, kind of having that awareness and starting to, because obviously all of that was just hands and they're not obviously, but mm-hmm. now I'm telling you. Um, and so that I think was like this actually active training in me being very like energetically connected to someone without penetration. Um, so I think that happened. And then also my current partner, um, that's kind of always been his sexuality. Like he's, he's always pushed, um, for like not, not, not penetration, but that that's like not the end all be all. Um, so that kind of like those things coupled together and kind of being, I would say almost it's like he opened that space and kind of like offered that space for me to sit in and was maybe one of the one of the first guys that had like a really solid handle on that for me. Um, and obviously I was also at a developmental period where I could like hear that and understand that and kind of sit with that and reflect and be like, yeah, maybe that is yeah. kind of cool. Um, so I think there was like a couple factors that, that played together. Um, yeah. Okay. You still doing sex work? Still doing tantra? Tantra? No. no. As you taught me? Ta- I don't know. What did I even say? Tantra? Tantra? I don't even know. It feels very far away at this it was, point. That was about three uh, three whole minutes of last time was you telling it. me how to say tantra. Oh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, I'm so annoying. Um, that's great. I'm sure. You know, and now I have my other crusades that I'm on. You know, I have my other things that I could probably sit here and, and freak out about for minutes. I'm not we sure are millennials. Are. We do. We are good at having causes. Yeah, I have a lot of them. Um, but no, I'm not anymore. I have. Um, yeah, I'm not. That's the answer. What, what happened there? Because you, you were even like teaching even since after we recorded, you were doing like workshops and teaching people. You gave me one of the biggest ego boosts I could have had that particular month where you, you, you said, yeah, I feel comfortable sending random women to jerk you off. Yes, please. Uh, you seem safe. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, I'm still unsure, but I don't really know you that well. No. Um, but at the time, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were definitely like among those people. Um, I did. I, I really thought about making that my whole career, you know, and making that my whole life and kind of like almost legitimizing myself in it. I'm not saying it's not legitimate on its own. I think yeah. that sex work is 100% just legitimate full stop. Um, but not necessarily like in the eyes of the law or in the eyes of mainstream American society. Uh, but yeah, for a while, that was definitely going to be my full on like what I was doing and I wanted to be doing it. It was something I and I still believe that it is a valid choice for kind of pushing back against certain um, negative aspects of the society that we live in, like bringing specifically I was working mostly with men. So like working on bringing men more into a kind of heart centered sensuality rather than a like very physical gratification sexuality. I think that works important and I've seen amazing things happen just from doing that for myself. Um, I realized that number one, it was setting myself up to always be fighting, you know, fighting the system in a way that was potentially going to be harmful for me. And it was also keeping me from being able to be as open about the things that I really care about. Um, you know, I couldn't tell my boyfriend's parents or like, there's like so many aspects of my life that I had to kind of keep hidden. Um, 
and I know I could have pushed back. I know there's plenty of people who yeah. push back against this and are like super, super open. But for me, it it wasn't. It just like wasn't where I was feeling. It really. wasn't the hill you wanted to die on. Yeah, kind of. Um, and I, I started realizing that I was kind of only able to be working with people who had a lot of money, mostly men. You know, I was working in New York and that there was a entire that I could potentially be getting similar results with different techniques that did kind of, quote unquote, play by the rules Um and working with different populations that are underserved or don't have the means. And also that I could buy, you know, I am in grad school now yeah. studying marriage and family therapy um, that by like lots of air quotes, legitimizing myself, I had the potential to kind of influence a larger system. You can affect more change with the piece of paper. Possibly. Possibly. And I'm not going to say that that is true for everyone. I think that there's like plenty of change that can happen in other ways as well. But for me, that was like when I looked at all the options in front of me and weighed all the decisions and kind of decided like, am I going to go? Because it was that time. I was at a time where I had to pick a way to go kind of a little more full force. I had been dabbling in the a lot early of mid 20s, the yeah. place where it's like, yeah, let's like I've I've tried a lot of things i like a lot of things but i'm going to make a choice that's kind of going to shut some other things out you know i'm going to go this direction which means i can't go that direction as hard as i was yeah um and obviously like being a therapist um i can't really be doing sex work on the side it's not so, really so is that what this is there because you said i'm in the I'm in the family and marriage department. I go yeah. like, I know that's like a department. It is. Yeah. Uh, which has actually changed. It's couple and family. Um, they're switching it over because they think that obviously, well, now there's marriage equality kind of, but they have been making a move into couple and family therapy, which some people argue is still a little too tight lipped. Cause like there are people in relationships that aren't couples. Sure. Um, but basically relational and family therapy, but it's called couple and family therapy. Um, which is a, an entire branch. Well, some people think that it's a branch of psychology. Like it's part, it's under the umbrella of psychology. And yeah. some people think that it's kind of an entirely different thing. Um, but it, it's, it's essentially working rather than working from the individual. Like someone comes in and you're like, Hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, you're depressed. Let's give you some medication or let's do this or let's really focus on you. It's a much more systemic approach. So mm. the belief, like the basic belief is that um, most of our pain, most of our difficulties come from relationships. They come from interactions with other people. So if you can affect, if you can like change those interactions to make them feel better for people that you can enact longer lasting change. Again, when I was making my decision between like, okay, this way, this way, this way, it was also like, do I go kind of more individual psychology route, clinical psych? Um, but this felt like it was at this kind of interface between a lot of things that I care about. Mm -hmm. It's also often very social justice oriented. Um, so it's not just looking at the family as a system or the couple as a system or the polyamorous, whatever as a system. It's also like, what are the systems we exist in? Because if we're going to continue to pathologize individuals and then just fix them, quote unquote, and throw them back into a system that's oppressive, like, what are we really doing? Yeah. Interesting. I, cause I feel like if you were to have gone, you know, when I picture Kat and I think, uh, okay, if she goes to grad school, what is she uh, majoring? What, what route does she go? I always picture it was something way more uh, overtly sexual, sexuality oriented, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I, I did think about that. Like, so there was kind of a, a couple things on the table. There was like. Because yesterday I recorded with a woman. She's got her PhD in like human sexuality. From I was Widener. Like, yeah, she teaches there. She's yeah. a professor. Um, uh, also burlesque dancer. Uh, her name is Dr. Timory Schmidt. I've heard of her actually. Yeah. Um, she's She does things in Philly. And a lot of people have actually independently been like you should know this person and i'm like i don't know she's how pr- to make she's friends. pretty rad <laughs> uh go to one of her burlesque shows and say hi she's very friendly yeah. cool also in the poly world sweet yeah. yeah i've heard her name a lot and a lot of people have been like you should know her um i did think about it like that was a so it was like keep doing full-on sex work and push into that advocate role even more and the teacher role then there was you know go back for human sexuality and i didn't make that decision because it was a little uh not like I, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into just sexuality. You know, I think that there is, I think still believe that sexuality is a crux. Like it's a, a meeting point where you can influence a lot of change, but I think there's other places as well. Um, so I kind of just wanted a, like the widest breath that I could have, like the widest viewpoint. Also like studying sexuality almost too much could, has the, has a small potential to almost ruin sex a little bit. Just like almost thinking about it too hard. I don't know. I mean, possibly. Um, that's not something that I've personally yeah. thought about. But I has your study have your have your current studies affected your personal relationships much at all? Have you seen like any? Have you been able to apply things you're learning into seeing your relations in a new light? Um, I mean, I think I'm constantly applying things if you ask my boyfriend he'd probably say too much you know Mm because i come home and i'm like i think this is happening in our relationship because i'm just like you asking me to do the dishes uh, plays into the systematic role of oppression uh, that have been going on for centuries uh, kind of yeah (laughs) kind of and that's what it's like dating me um so yeah i think or i'm just like you know we're in this like withdrawal like withdrawal pursuer thing and this is why this is happening and like i the way that I learn as a person is I'm constantly trying things on. And yeah. I, I know that that's not how everyone learns, but that is something I've realized over years that like I go full force into something and I like let it consume me sometimes to the point that I forget there's other things. Like when I was into Tantra, that was it. Yeah. You know? when, when you I were in the period like, blood, it was all about that the, was it. those were the Facebook posts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I do like, it's like I wear these things and then, I kind of realized Got your that grad school suit jacket on. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm doing that thing now. And, um, yeah, I definitely like, I am a, a person that learns by just like putting it in my, like putting it in my body. It sounds whatever, <laughs> but it is, it's like, I have to feel it. Like I have no, a girl. I'm just trying to teach learner. you by putting it in your body. <laughs> it's not funny. Yeah. So it is definitely, I have to try things on. So it has been, also just this program, like it's delving so deep into systems of oppression, systems mm. of power, race, class, um, gender, things that you might know about theoretically, but having this just like full frontal, like knee deep, shoulder deep, neck deep, I don't know, up over my head deep, uh, like interactional we're going to get into this stuff and talk about it like i have classes of super diverse where we're sitting in a circle and we're talking about race you know it's not for the faint of heart and it's and reading things that are just like horrifying what's been the most mind-blowing one or is there like a system is there an oppressed group you didn't realize was as oppressed as they were like what was Um, what was shocking to you i mean i think having like data and looking at things that are 
like you just can't argue with them, you know? And obviously as a white person, like I have lived in the world in a very different way than people of color live in the world. Like it's almost sometimes like we live in a different world. Like the privileges and also coming from a, like a fairly middle class, upper middle class socioeconomic background. Like I got to go to college really easily. There's these things that I have just taken for granted um, for a really long time. And kind of coming like knowing that I've 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 known that I've had privilege I've known that the color of my skin gives me privilege and you know I've I've done some work to process that and but kind of coming fully into how much and like how stark some of the differences are and how systematic some of the just racism has been around for for years, like for centuries of just for like from slavery to like not allowing people to like not allowing black families to take advantage of the GI Bill. So not allowing them to start accumulating wealth as, you know, white people got to start having homes and then accumulating wealth. And we talk about income a lot, but not wealth as much. So that's kind of I would say the biggest one for me is the wealth disparity sure. that, that I look at. And it's like there have been so many places along the way where white people have just like not allowed black people to gain wealth and especially gain security. in the, especially like in the, the post slavery times where we're like, Oh, this was a thing where everyone was supposed to, Nope, not that one either. Nope, yeah. Can't get those houses. Nope. Uh, the, the GI bill, that one was a shock. Well, post slavery, you know, like the, everyone was supposed to get land. Right. But then nope. they'd, they'd give, well, they'd still yeah. quote unquote, give it to like, to black people, to African Americans, but they'd give them swamp land that was impossible to build yeah. on. So it's like there's been a lot of things like that where it's like technically you ticked all the boxes and you did it, but uh, yeah. So that that's a big one. The the is your is your program di- fairly diverse or yes. mostly white or uh, I would say we're we're pretty diverse. Okay. Um, international students, people of color, um, you know, Asian, Hispanic, Latina. Sure. But um, African American. I ask only because last night I go to I went to Tim Marie's, um burlesque show. It's called Agitation. It's it's supposed to agitate. It's supposed to bring up these issues and also throw burlesque on it. So you know it's going to bring up racial stuff. It's going to bring up you know hate. It's it's going to bring those things up and also someone's going to get naked because yeah. why not mix those two together? But I'm I'm sitting there and I'm by myself and. I think it's in a gay bar. Is Frankie, you know Frankie Bradley's? I think that's... Is, that a, is it a gay bar or no? I, I have no tell. idea. Anyways. Okay, so I'm sitting in Frankie Bradley's. I'm sitting up there and this woman's doing this like number where on the screen it's showing just a loop of all these different police brutality videos. And it's just making you think things. Be like, it's just everyone's feeling bad. I'm like, this is this seems powerful. I don't understand how entirely this ties to the act that you're doing on stage. But like, this is interesting to see. And then I just took a moment to actually look at the audience. It was like all white kids under 36. And I'm like, this is now this just feels like a guilt trip circle jerk. Well, I mean, it's like it's not like we were converting. She wasn't converting anyway. Like we, we were all on the same page and it was just all of us. So it felt like, how, I don't know what's what's happening here. Well, but what would your what would your response to that be like should she not show it to a white audience because i would argue that it's like that's the audience that needs it more than anyone no, i think the audience that needs it more than anyone are the white people who don't realize how bad it is i feel like every what well, was meant it was that like everyone in that who would go to that show like the audience who would attend that thing like we were already on that page 
Well, I would you know argue I mean? my argument for that is like yes and no because I felt like someone I like my view of kind of being a white person who's going to be educated around um like racial injustice is that it's never ending. So I think there's no end game. There's no like I have hit the point where I understand racial injustice sure. in America. I'm a good white person. I've done it. Like it's it's a never ending process. So there's a potential that like yes, obviously there is a threshold for people that walked into that room and but they like there's there might have been people who were impacted in a deeper way mm-hmm. who like came out with that with like holy shit like I really got to fucking do something you know sure but you know you also meet some of those people who like. They get too absorbed in like a in a particular cause where you're like, just like someone who like grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, with me, you know, okay. which is an aff- it's an affluent county of Jersey. It's like one of the like the red counties of Jersey, right, amongst like the other blue ones. Yeah. Um, kid probably didn't know any black kids till he got to college, and then but like gets super into a cause, but also doesn't like know any black people personally. Like he goes to the marches, but he doesn't like have a doesn't even have black friends or anything. I don't know. There's something almost disingenuous, not about everyone in these movements, but like some people in like these social justice movements where I'm like, what are you there for the Instagram photo? Or are you there to like do something different? I mean, I think that's definitely a phenomenon, but I don't necessarily think I, I have no idea. I wasn't sure, there sure. last night, but and I also like was it a white woman that was doing this? Was sure. it a black woman that was doing this? A white woman, you know? Um, but I, it's like, it's, it's a tricky thing being a white person who is trying to fight for racial justice, just thinking about, cause obviously it's like I, and potentially this woman also wanted to use her voice to, and use her platform, right. Yeah. Um, to kind of take some of the burden of educating off of the shoulders of people of color, which I think is really, really important. But then also you don't want to speak for people of color, you know? And that, and that's, that, that's, I think what I'm more leaning towards is that at some point, I, I would have rather, I think, just let's let uh, some other people who this greatly affects, um, let them tell that story. Or this also ties to, like, I interviewed this comedian, Roy Wood Jr., recently. He shot a special in Atlanta. A lot of ra- He's a black comic, does a lot of racial stuff, really funny stuff. And when I'm talking to him, he's like, there doesn't seem to be, like, a lot of funny stuff about race these days. Um, it all seems really tragic. And he's like, I shot my special in Atlanta because I think the people who need these jokes the most are the people who it's affecting coming from someone who it also affects as like a, as a black man who grew up down there. And I feel like it would be more disingenuous to like, for me to shoot a a comedy special in Atlanta talking about, you know, racial issues to like people who actually affects and me who it didn't affect at all. Well, I would, uh, there's a couple things in that. Like, Yes, I think you as a white person should be extremely careful making any racial jokes. And like, obviously, there's ways that you can make jokes that like punch up. I don't know if you've heard that. Um, oh, the punch up, punch, punch down, up, punch down, you know, argument. Um, I don't even want to get into it, honestly. Yeah. But because um, I can tell that there's things there and I still want to. <laughs> um, but I also, I forget where I was going with that. I had something. Bum, bum, bum. You down there telling the story. Oh. I do think that race affects you, you know, and I think that that is one of the things that I've taken out of this program is that we think of race issues very much as like, like we don't think of ourselves as white, you know, we don't talk about whiteness and we don't talk like we talk about, it's almost like everything is being 
compared to whiteness, really low key. So whiteness is kind of invisible. The, as the as the default. Yeah. Like as whiteness. The, as is the, the very default. boring, bland French vanilla base. And then everything like, it's like you don't like it's like unless otherwise specified, you assume whiteness. Sure. Um so I am kind of like in a place now where I want to push back against that a little bit and be like, no, like race does affect you. Like like white is is race you know and that does affect you and your ethnicity affects you like all these things have affected us um and also like i think that the racial inequality that we all face that that is faced and like the the oppression like affects everyone and obviously it affects people differently but i do think that it negatively affects this entire world you know like every single person that lives on this world is kind of where i've come to um I don't know. I'm no like, arguments on that one. I'm like very deep in all this stuff right now. I can tell. So, I can yeah. tell. <laughs> yeah. You you moved uh, from New York uh, here to Philly. You you noticing differences like uh, in your dating world because you have a boyfriend of many years, but you know you're you're polyamorous, and so you know we know that there's definitely that like poly world scene in New York. Is does that exist out here? Or? Um, I mean, I haven't really delved into it. I, I was never really into it in. Like I've, I am Polly, mm-hmm. um, but I, I've never been like into the scene. If that makes sense. Oh, hundred percent yeah. makes sense. Like I've, I've, and also I am way more introverted than my partner, for example. So like he dates a lot, where I like you'd be hard pressed to find me out trying to meet someone new. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm just like don't really like talking to people. <laughs> um, so I spend, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I've really dated too much down here um we were dating a woman for a little bit together uh, together and then you know i had a little fling last last semester for a little bit uh which was nice and fun and then just kind of ghosted so yeah i wouldn't say that i could really speak to whether or not there are poly community i mean i know there is like a poly world here and there's definitely things that I haven't tapped into. I've also only been here since July. So I've been pretty, because my boyfriend was already here because I already had a lot of friends here. I kind of jumped into that world and then jumped into grad school. Sure. So I haven't necessarily like explored all that Philly has to offer. You know, it's a pretty, pretty small world that I live in right now. You only were dating that one woman together, but you don't typically date in like a triad format or, um, I mean, we have in the past, there was one other time that we did, um, but it's not like, that's not necessarily what we specifically go for. Like, like I said, he definitely dates, um, a little bit more frequently than I do. So he's had other partners that have not had anything to do with sure. me, you know, like cordial, of course. Yeah. And like, fine. Um, but like, how, how do you meet this woman when you decide you go, you're going to date her together? Like, I mean, is that someone you may, you meet online and say, like, Hey, let's all three go on a date or. Well, he actually met her first while I was still in New York. So okay. they kind of started a, a romance. And then when I met her, we also just hit it off and it was not, you know, always the clearest. It's definitely been a lot of, um, yeah, like a lot of emotional processing, a lot of figuring things out. It wasn't necessarily like right off the bat. It was super simple. Um, I also have never, like I I have dated one other woman before that, but it was something that I had like questions about for myself. Like, am I romantic with women? Am I just sexual with women? Like there was a lot kind of tied up in that. So yeah, that was, but it was just like, uh, I met her and also 
you know, really liked her and wanted her to be around. And, and he was thinking like jackpot. Awesome. No, I hate <laughs> no, that. No. I hate that so much. I hate it. What? I hate that because the stereotype or the, the, the stereotype of like, cause that's something that happened would happen all the time. We'd all be out in public, you know? And then like, everyone's always like shaking his hand or like congratulating him when they realize that like we're all kissing or like we're all holding hands or something. And it's just like, fuck that. Like, fuck you. Fuck all y'all. Because like it assumes that this is for the male gaze and it's for the male fantasy, right? That it's like, he is the one that's winning, but it's like, I'm also winning and she's also winning. Right. But if you reverse it, I would say the same thing. If you said that you, if you put you in his situation and you were dating her first and then he came in and then he happened to hit it off when he met her, I would be like, got great. It. Sounds like got you it, got, got Jack. It, got it just sounds like that's the best case scenario. Got it. If you're dating, I mean, I understand what you're talking about yeah. where like the dude just thinks that any time you say, I just had a threesome, they automatically high five you. They assume it was with two women. Right. Or like, I they get ha- that part. Or just they like, like specifically like, it's almost like we're trophies. Like that's the felt that I've had. That is the feeling that I've had in public before where it's like, huh, look, like you got two and it's like, whoa, we're all see, in this relationship. bro. See, I see. See, I say y'all are trophies, but like they're also your trophies. Like I if guess. you walked in, if whoever's in the center and has uh, each arm taken, that's the one who has the two trophies that night. So if it's you in the middle, then sure. Uh, that I would just <laughs> like to like get rid of that whole notion of trophies. I think I think it's more just like we all had the. I mean, I hear what you're saying sure. about the like. Yeah, that is the best case scenario, right? Like yeah. you meet this person, and then your long term partner actually really likes them. Like, yeah. cool, that's great. Um, but Makes scheduling easier if you can just skim both. Uh, on the same I would night. not say that. I would not actively not say that. Um, yeah, scheduling scheduling is a hard thing. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I just object to the whole, like the notion that if, because it's two women and one man, that mm-hmm. that in some way, it just feels like heterosexist in a sense sure. where it's like, Oh, like he's the one that's winning out. And it's like, see, I want to get to a society cat where if you were walking on the street with two hot dudes, I'd be like, Oh, cat's getting it. Good. Well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, I want to, I want to be, I want my objectification to be very, uh, non-sexist. So I want, you want your, ob- okay. Got I just want to, yeah. And I think I just like less objectification sure. in general, unless you're paying me for it. Right. Then you can objectify <laughs> me, but that's really it. Yeah. That's kind of my rule. Just like pay me money and then you can objectify me. Are you totally done with sex work? Like that's a done thing or maybe go back to in the future. Um, I think it's probably mostly done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if something like, I don't know, but yeah, as someone I'm, I'm on track to be a therapist, obviously sure. if that's something that I get licensed in, like that is something that I need to caretake and I need to take care of. And, has like i get scared about even talking about this or like that i have had that past like that they could look at that and be like nope not fit but at the same time um i don't know i I do think i don't know what i think about that i think i'll be fine okay and if i won't then i won't but it's already happened how Um, how long have you you just started this program last semester right? last semester okay do you do you see yourself bringing i don't know if you've like gone to see your curriculum like for all of this, but like, does it involve like non-traditional family models? That's something I've talked about recently with, with a couple guests I had on Diana Adams, who she's a lawyer who like works specifically on like family planning and dissolving, um, through like little legal maneuvers since you can't technically marry three people, but like the things you could do, or like I talked to 
kimchi cuddles this like poly <gasps> you met kimchi cuddles yeah oh, she did a amazing. portrait of my girlfriend for valentine's that's day. awesome i actually <laughs> when you first said kimchi thought of someone else but then also oh, there's got, another kimchi well, personality there's a, there's, well okay so i knew but then as i was talking i was like wait i'm actually just as excited about kimchi cuddles because i love those comics mm-hmm. um but there is there is a drag queen named kimchi just kimchi kimchi okay it's fantastic um and just does like a lot of adorable anime drag right and i was just i have been really uh, into rupaul's drag race recently so i was had just bianca like, del rio on here <gasps> no yes i did oh my god yeah. wait i'm so jealous. i've gotten a lot cooler than since you last saw I'm me i'm so jealous <laughs> if you had alaska i would be really depressed. who's alaska alaska thunderfuck she's probably my favorite from is she from drag race from season five and season two all-star i only had i had bianca and then i had was i was offered adore delano i love that? adore yes but i chose bianca okay but they're um, both great they're both great okay. i was gonna say the other one like i would i would definitely hang out with the door i just wanted the i wanted the funnier one i was like Bianca's that sounds hilarious. like bianca yeah. yeah they're i mean they're both funny okay i love them well the, so so i've had if on you're some, listening <laughs> let's be friends <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like i've had on people like that and we've been discussing like not even like the sex parts of like polyamory or and, and non-monogamy but the almost like the family parts of it the relational parts of it and do you see yourself bringing your experiences with poly like into your hopefully one day practice. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that that will always influence and it does like, there's definitely some things that, you know, are still ingrained in the kind of traditional marriage and family where I'm like, come on guys, let's move past that a little bit. And there's stuff that I speak out against too, where I'm like, well, here's this other perspective. I would not say that there is a specific, like we're going to go into like have a whole class on this, Mm -hmm. but I have come across a couple professors who, are definitely well educated in that and at the least like are at least like open to it if not well educated so there's a spectrum of kind of how and i think it also kind of falls along the lines of like how young people are like there's you can see how queer people are you know like are you like the lone wolf in class who will raise the like poly objective there's one other poly girl or a poly human um so yeah, I think it's not too often. There's just like a couple of times I've I've had sure. to like you know speak up about like kink stuff too or like whatever. Um, and so I, I definitely think that there is this side of my education and also being a sex worker yeah. and like those are all now communities and identities that I can potentially serve that not everyone could because it is like it for me thinking of trying to get therapy like being someone who has looked for a therapist and having to you know just make sure that you're gonna find someone who isn't going to shame you for the choices or constantly be like well when are you gonna commit why are you so afraid of commitment you know like there's there are these things that can seem really innocuous and seem really like kind of innocent but when you're trying to develop a therapeutic relationship and people are just kind of low key, constantly telling you that your decisions are wrong or like, Oh, because they don't fit the norm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So that's why I always lead with like, hello, like I am Polly. I have been a sex worker, like, you know, and just like other things about my identity or, um, things that I've been through and mental health wise that I'll just lead with and be like, if you can't, if these are things that are not going to be easy for you to handle, then like, let's just, skip let's not all do this. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have all these, these things that like, there are people who, who are therapists who 
are against like you know if you were to say like oh i want to open up my relationship they would probably just automatically advise against just because they don't believe that's valid or you know someone who's not like queer friendly so uh, sex worker friendly you have a lot of things it's got to be hard to find a therapist for yeah, it's, who it's, can like be okay on all things or who's like, yeah, no, the queers are fine, but sex workers are evil. Like you gotta totally, it's definitely hard to check all those boxes and then find someone who's affordable. Oh, man. And that's the kicker. Like I will find a therapist where I'm like, fuck yes, this person is awesome. And then there'll be $150 a session, no sliding scale, sure. no insurance, you know? So I, there's definitely therapists out there, but in the current kind of mental health care model, it's hard to find a competent therapist in the ways that I need them to be, who is also on my insurance. So that's my current, like, I don't know, quest right now is I'm, I'm still on it, like looking for it. Ever have like a nightmare therapist scenario? I've never had a nightmare no. therapist scenario. I mean, I would, I'm really picky also. So I usually leave before that can happen. Like I'm <sighs> definitely someone that I'll do like three sessions with someone and then be like, I'm out. Okay. Like if it doesn't, and who knows if that's because I'm just, hi like i don't know protecting something who knows but i also feel like i have i guess like three sessions i can kind of tell whether this fit is going to work for me or not it's time for the fan whore appreciation moment what's up this is the part of the podcast where i like to give shout outs to members of our fan whore community on patreon uh, i want to start with alex s who is actually the creator and moderator of the man whore podcast subreddit it's kind of like our, our community message board, kind of like the, the podcast bulletin board. If you want to go participate and check out what is posted up there, go to r slash podcast. Uh, also, thank you, Mark G, longtime listener, longtime supporter, super consistent, and I thank you for that, good sir. John S., happy Father's Day, man. I, I hope you I hope you think of me as as possibly a uh, your your sluttier fourth way too old child. Uh, <laughs> Darren R. Man, big time fan whore right there. He supports me at the ten dollar level, which gets him access to all of the Man Whore Podcast bonus episodes. And then finally, I want to say uh, thank you so much to my Australian listener George, without an e at the end. We've got Chris with a K. Well, now we've got George without the extra E. What's up, man? Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you don't know what Patreon is, it's kind of like a monthly fan club subscription mixed with Kickstarter. You choose how much money you want to pledge each month, and depending on how much money you pledge, determines which rewards you get. That includes access to our super secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room. Join the club today for as little as $1.00. By visiting patreon.com slash podcast. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. But now back to the show. I would say the worst therapist experience I've ever had was when I was young. And I was 15, 15, 16, super depressed. And they just put me right on antidepressants. Um, so I would say, I, I don't even remember that lady's name. I think mm. we met one time and she was like, I'll put you on some meds that you're going to be on for the rest of your life, small child. And I was just like, okay, thanks. And then later kind of realized just how fucked up that is. Okay. Um, that's my opinion. Like, I think that medications can definitely be super helpful and are necessary sometimes. And also I think over medication is a problem that we're currently seeing a lot of right um just like having the first step be to give a 15 year old 
like very heavy antidepressants that they will just be on for the rest of their lives that is going to actively change their developing brain. Like your brain is developing as a child and adolescent and you're just going to pump some chemicals all up in there without like any sort of like, let's maybe do some talk therapy first or try something else. Like it just seems kind of like quick fix, heavy handed. So very American solution to the problem. Like, let's just like Uh. shove some pills in it, you know? It only and gets again, more American if you put the pills in a gun and then you just shot them into the kid's mouth. That's that's basically America. And donuts. <laughs> donuts. Um, if we can figure out a way to incorporate a donut into that scenario, yeah, that would be that would yeah, be quite American. I love donuts. But I, I and I do want to reiterate, like I I do think that medication is necessary sometimes. <laughs> I thought you were gonna be I do want to reiterate that donuts. I'm not against donuts, that I think donuts are positive. Things. I am definitely not against donuts. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more of just a like how people administer them. Because I hear a lot of people who are like, don't take medication, just go out and walk in the woods. And you're like, do you know, like, come on, that is so just pejorative to people with mental illness. Um, And I think there's a a wide variety of approaches that can work. Um, And that medication is is a valid one. Just it needs to be used with care because it kind of is like a loaded gun. You know, it's like you're putting some new things into someone's brain and there's not that much research that really says like this is what's definitely sure. going to happen you know it is kind of a lot of trial and error so i just think like a lot of care should go into that decision okay but you don't always really see what kind of mental health do you suffer from i wouldn't say i suffer from mental health um sorry whichever whichever sorry whichever <laughs> ver- whichever verb i should put in place to suffer just like what do i suffer <laughs> what, from mental what? health i don't actually have any diagnoses um i mean i sit here and i read my adult psychopathology wait you just gave like, me that, that you just gave me that entire thing about mental illness stuff and you don't actually have a diagnosis i mean i care about mental illness and i i think I I mean I've I've been diagnosed with things when I you know when they put me on antidepressants sure. I have major depressive disorder I've been diagnosed with anxiety in the past um, I've self-diagnosed myself with everything that I read in that yep. you know adult psychopathology <laughs> book um, I know that there are certain things that I definitely work with um, but I wouldn't like there's nothing that I would come out and say like it's definitely this like mm-hmm. I read things and I'm like that seems like that might be true. Um, you know, I, I definitely had, I came from, I, I like, I don't know if you've heard the term adverse childhood experiences, but there's no, but those are a lot of multisyllabic words. <sighs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of new research coming out around how trauma affects the developing brain. Um, like, especially at a young age and like what different kind of neurological networks fire in order to, um, yeah, just different things fire. Like if you feel safe and there's like safety and comfort and nurturing, like different things form in a child's brain than if they're constantly like on edge and kind of fending for themselves. Like there's like a different survival brain that kicks in. Okay. Um, I'm giving a very rudimentary definition. Don't quote me. Oh, this is ru- this, this yeah. is rudimentary. Uh, oh, okay. Yes. Um, so I'm just an idiot. Got it. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I'm just sorry, checking. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying like, I, I'm not an expert on this at all. This is like me watching Ted talks and doing research, you know? <laughs> okay. Would have um, fooled me. It's not like I am like studying this. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I definitely went through things as a child that, um, were challenging emotionally. And um, I think that I have had to like 
work through some of that stuff and build certain coping mechanisms and like healthy structures in my brain that did not get built when I was a child. Mm. Um, so like things around, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that comes with kind of childhood trauma. Um, and I, I would say that's mostly what I, what I work with quote unquote suffer from, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, it, it has been a journey cause it's, it's almost like, the tools that you need to build the structures in order to be able to do the healthy things for yourself. Like, I don't know, make art instead of smoke cigarettes or make yourself. Good Have you food. stopped smoking cigarettes? Yeah. Good. That yeah. was like the one thing I do remember that from long, long ago. I was like, oh, it's okay, Billy. She smokes cigarettes, but she's cute. You're going to get over this. Wow. I, I don't like, I don't, I'm I, cigarettes are a huge turn off for me. Totally. Oh, I'm sorry. They absolutely should be. Um, it, that's been a whole process. Like that has not been easy. I've sure. smoked almost 10 years of my life. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of research coming out around like people who have gone through trauma tend to have like more substance abuse stuff and like um, less kind of executive functioning brain stuff around being able to make a plan and stick to sure. it and like, and more mental illness. So there's, I would say that my struggles have kind of like, Mm, what's the word like clouded around all those things and i i i think that people should identify however they want sometimes i haven't necessarily like full-on identified myself recently as someone who like has mental illness um but isn't that not like a thing you you get to choose as an as an identification at the, end of, isn't, at the end of the day, isn't something like an illness, if, you know, you don't get the, if you're paralyzed, you don't get to not identify as paralyzed, like, because you are yeah, paralyzed. Yeah, but I think there's also a difference between someone who identifies as like, and like, this is just another example, like you can identify as like a victim of sexual assault or a survivor of sexual assault, right? So there is some, there is some wiggle room within mm. like how, yes, obviously if someone's Or do you consider yourself victim or survivor? I would say survivor, but, um, and, and I'm not even talking about sexual assault in my childhood or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I guess I haven't necessarily found it useful. I think there are times when getting a diagnosis is extremely useful. And like when I first got one, when I was in high school and I was like, oh, there's like, something like really wrong with me. Like I'm not just a shitty person. Yeah. Like there was a lot of kind of shame that was lifted for me. Um, and also similar to the medication thing, I think sometimes diagnosis or the way they're handed out can be very like final. Like you are a depressed person and you'll be that way. And sometimes that's true for the rest of your life. That will be true. But I also think that our brains are plastic and there is, the potential to change our brains. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of the approach that I've taken of like, yes, I potentially fall into a variety of like symptom clusters and could be diagnosed with a lot of things, um, which could be useful. And I go back and forth and maybe I will be when I find this therapist that's magical. Um, but I, I've almost taken more of a like, what are the things that aren't working and how do I work to kind of change them? in whatever way that I can, which isn't always possible. I'm not saying that all mental illness is like possible to just totally change. Um, but for myself and like the level that I've worked with, that's kind of the approach that I've taken. Hmm. If that makes sense. 
A little bit. I get nervous because I don't want people to You use to a feel... lot of really big words. I'm sorry. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm, I have a simple man brain. Got it. I, I get nervous because I don't want people who do suffer from mental illness to feel like I'm stigmatizing them by saying like, well, I got over it, you know, because I'm not like I still there are still things that like I know that there are certain things about my brain that like the way that I respond to stress or you know, the way that I can like cycle into an anxious cycle or the way that Does that stuff affect your relationship? Absolutely. hundred percent. So? Very negatively. It's well, very hard. I assume negatively. I I, yeah. I I didn't think your mental illness was going to like positively improve. No, it's it's very, very, very challenging. And that's that has been so much of the impetus for change for me of like seeing that these ways of being are hurting people that I love, you so know, what's like they, an example of like an episode you might have. Um, let me think this is deep. Um, Oh, this is deep. It feels deep. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about like racial justice for like 15 minutes. I before. know, but this feels <laughs> personal in a different way where it's yeah. like very like exposing, you know? Ah, now, um, now, yeah. Kind of the point. Yeah. I hate it. I hate vulnerability. <laughs> um, I don't know. I definitely like, I think I've worked on a lot of it, but I can like to use some marriage and family terms. There's like, I would say that I have, what's the word? Like kind of a, a weak attachment or like I have a, unless I'm getting like positive feedback a lot, I kind of assume the worst. Right. So I lean to the side of not feeling like securely attached to someone, uh, which I think can be challenging or also just, yeah, just anxiety. Like I definitely have a lot of anxiety around things and my brain will kind of like spiral out into something and it'll be all consuming, uh, which my partner's really great at handling a lot of the time, most of the time. And also I think it becomes too much sometimes. Well, what's a know? good way to handle that? I mean, I would say... We have developed like a pretty solid back and forth. Like there's a, a fairly constant um, level of like, I love you. I love you. And you're like, there, there is this constant kind of positive regard, I would say, um, which is important. And I also think that he does a pretty good job when I'm like, am spiraling out into something of just kind of holding space for that. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean holding space like for just that? like letting it be what it is so not trying to fix it just trying to like if you need I'm going to use a word you're not going to like but if like you need time to like be crazy a little bit like just let you be that way for a bit in a sense yeah I mean but it, it's still hard um, yeah. it's not easy and, and I think sometimes it feels like you know the person that I am all the time is just kind of like will disappear sometimes like if I get into a spiral or you know it's like usually we're like partners you know we're on the same page we're able to negotiate to have conversations and then there's moments where i kind of just spin out or mm. am gone is the way that he describes it and it feels very much like i'm not kind of with it quote unquote in the same way that i often am so it almost feels like he has to like take care of me rather than us taking care of each other how's he doing those moments where like there's not a thing for him to do like he can't fix it and he has to just let you not just not yeah to just let you go through whatever you're going through because like when i when i see that like there's nothing i can do you know it feels powerless totally and i, I don't i don't necessarily want to speak for him sure, you know sure. um 
I feel like. I don't know if maybe that's a conversation you all have had. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we, we have lots of conversations around it. And it's it's definitely, um, and it's something that's constantly changing for me and constantly changing with my, because I, I go back and forth. Like, sometimes I'm like, no, like, I do have these, like, mental illnesses, you know, and this is something that, like, I need to get real with and just, like, own. And, and then there's other times where I'm like, no, like, you need to continue kind of fighting against it in a sense. And I almost think that it's obviously both, you know, like I don't almost think it's obviously both that like being real about where you are and and what has happened and how your brain works. And then also being real about the fact that that doesn't necessarily mean it's anyone else's problem, uh, which is a really hard one for me to learn Mm. because I'm just like, take care of me, please. Um, See, I could, I could handle that. Like, if I like as a boyfriend, I can handle that attitude more than the, um, the like, you know, there's nothing that can be done. Leave me alone. I'd rather be neat. Like, I'd rather them be needy. So then, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm needy in like a specific way. Like, I'm needy. Well, like I, you need a very specific I, flavor I need, of Doritos. Kind like, of. Like, and I they only sell in the one store across town. <laughs> no, it's like I need a specific type of care, and yeah, I just think that with all this stuff it's like yes my anxiety is real yes these things are real yes my experience can be scary sometimes whatever and it's awesome to have a partner that can help you with that and also it's good to always remember that like that's not their job you know and it's not their responsibility like at the end of the day it's always our responsibility to handle our feelings this is a hard one for me to learn i'm still learning it because i'm just like and like figuring out like obviously when you are in a close relationship of like what that really looks like and like how much can you reasonably ask for from someone like obviously you care about each other and you want to be able to help each other when you're having a hard time but like where is that boundary where is that limit and i think that is kind of a constant negotiation between both partners of okay like this is what i'm needing but that doesn't necessarily always mean that that person's able to give that to you. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad partner. It's just like a constant figuring out of like what's possible in any given moment. If that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Do you get like this with the, um, the, the female partner? Do you call her, is she girlfriend or is she a person you're dating or it's like super unclear right now. So I think I'm just gonna let that one lie. You're gonna let that one yeah, lie. I'm gonna let it lie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you see, uh, is, is marriage a thing you want for yourself one day? Possibly. Yeah. Huh? I mean, it's, it's potentially useful. Marriage and, uh, family. Or family? Marriage yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's all possible. It's definitely, um, it's on the table, but it, it's not like a definite, you know, it's like, I, could you see it with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, he's pretty stable. He's pretty secure. He knows who he is. We have pretty solid communication. Um, I think we fight more than either of us would like. So that's kind of the main question for us. Of like, there are definitely certain like interactional patterns, which I think all couples get into on a yeah. certain point, or on a certain level. And it's almost like the, I was just reading this article today, actually, that it's like one of the hardest decisions to ever make is whether like the level of, kind of like imperfectness in a relationship is an acceptable level or if it's too much, you know, does that make sense? It, Cause so, yeah, one person can't be perfect. Well, no relationship is right. perfect. So right? it's a matter of like weighing, like, am I getting enough of the things that I need and are the things that I'm not getting? Is that an acceptable amount? 
Yeah. And yeah. I think that's like a really hard decision to make. Yeah. And it's like a constant and, and him and I are constantly like we have tried to sometimes to my I don't know. He's better at a lot of these things. Okay. But um what the talking communication things? Well, I would argue sometimes um more of the we have tried to live in a state of constant openness and constant question. So it's not like okay, found you and we're going to be together forever the end. Door shut. You know, it's okay. more like we want to constantly be reevaluating. You know, like is this the relationship for us? Is this a relationship that's working? Like there consciously choosing to kind of have no guarantees. So like every six months you have job evaluations? Almost, you know. Um, I would say that we kind of have them less consciously than, you know, we end up getting in a fight almost every six months than kind of being forced to do that. Okay. Um, And yeah, like I said, like the the way that my, and I'll use mental illness now, kind of um, plays into some of that stuff is like the not having that security, even though theoretically and like ideologically I am so on board and I'm like, fuck yeah, that feels like a healthy relationship. That's what I want to be in the actual like physical felt experience around not having that security um, is terrifying for me. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely like a disconnect between what I know I want theoretically and what I believe in and who I want to be as a person. And then like how I actually am in a given moment. If that makes sense. No, and and a lot of the work I think in the past couple of years for me has to been to bring them closer together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I want to title this episode almost, uh, if that makes sense. If that makes <laughs> sense. If that makes sense. Did I say that a lot? Yeah. Good. But yeah. to be fair, uh, a lot of times it was needed because I'm a dummy and you use a lot of big words. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. No, it's Okay. But thanks for coming on the show. This yeah. is a this is a deeper version than uh, last time. Last time was just a lot of like you know um, hand jobs and Burning Man yeah. and period blood. And now you know this was this was deeper. Yeah, cool. I dig I'm it. Excited to hear. I'm also nervous. I feel like I like put some stuff out there, but Fi- right. finally, yeah, I'm no, not, I'm having. It. Yeah, that's the point of the I show. Okay, Let's put things out. Oh, uh, before we go, how about because uh, <laughs> I'll have you answer one of the questions from that compilation episode that we did not get to do. Uh, but if you I had, don't know if I want to answer, but let's see. It might be fun. Okay. If you could describe your feelings about uh, me in that t- very brief time period that we had together, what would they be? Yeah. So like not like about not about I like was. where you were sexually in that um, time period. We already went over that. Two words. Yeah, it's a it's a loose that loose two words. Yeah. Shady. I thought you were real shady. <laughs> Um, and I'm gonna say flaccid. And flaccid? Yeah, sorry. Was I flaccid? I think so. Was I, wait, my personality. Like, wait, was my personality flaccid? Well, or I my thought you were kind of boring. I'm gonna be honest. Okay. And um, finally, we get into it. I mean, it. like you asked, right? And then, yeah, I feel like I remember it like not being like se- like gratifying. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and just like <laughs> drunk. Drunk was definitely involved. Yeah. yeah. Drunk yeah. was involved. So, like, I think that that was kind of because it only happened once, and I would say yeah. that that was kind of my takeaway. Was like, uh, what did I just do? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I want that. That's the type of stuff I want. They, that's what they want. At all least right, well, they're fucking a bunch of crazy people. These yeah. these listeners. Although the, I think the worst thing uh, that I got called was a fucking douchebag. Wow. Yeah. So you know, or fucking jerk. That's what I got called. 
So cool. That's that's worse than what you said. Yeah, I think I, I was tempered. You're also not the first person to use flaccid to describe. Wow. Me. Yeah, I closed that episode with uh, my friend Andrea Allen. She said flaccid penis. Those are the words, Billy, that wow. describe our love that never happened. Wow. All right. <laughs> I was like, perfect. All yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Well, feel free to say goodbye to everybody. Bye. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed my conversation with Kat. I, I certainly enjoyed catching up with her. Uh, please let me know what you thought about the show. I love seeing your tweets, your Instagram posts, your emails. I love getting feedback. I love hearing from you. Uh, be sure to email me, manwhorepod at gmail.com. You can send me your comments, your questions, your titty pictures, etc. You can always follow me on various social media. I am on Twitter and Instagram at TheBillyPerceta. Yes, I have an Instagram. Yes, come and get a look into my personal life uh, through that platform. Okay, you should also go like the Man Whore Podcast fan page on Facebook. Join our budding community of fan whores on Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's a great way to support independent content creators and to support your favorite slutty podcaster right here. It's the reason I was able to quit my day job. It means so much to me that I get to do this for you because of you without your support on patreon i would still likely be at a desk fact checking kim kardashian's birthday which i think is october 26th <laughs> i hope you will join us at patreon.com slash man podcast that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash man podcast finally go buy your tickets to man con right now at man slash tickets Next week, we've got comedian Will Miles, who uh, does a podcast with his girlfriend where he talks to other couples. And, uh, well, let's just say, hopefully they don't break up. But until next week, enjoy yourselves. Try to stay cool in the heat if you're like me and you're in Austin. Uh, And, of course, stay slutty.